Welcome back to the Win 2020 with Makashin and Ross podcast. I'm Ross. And I'm Makashin. And we come at you as frequently as we'd like to or as frequently <laughs> as people come on the show. And uh, we talk to a player, somebody who has intimate knowledge about politics, somebody who gets the ins and outs of what happens in Wisconsin, how you win, how some people lose. And we try and break down a very fundamental question, which is who is going to win Wisconsin's 10 electoral votes in 2020? And the key for us in today's program is to take a deeper dive into Milwaukee County uh, and specifically the city of Milwaukee to learn uh, about one organization that's already out there in the in the grassroots, working the neighborhoods, trying to get people motivated for the 2020 election. Yeah. And so with that, we have uh, the great pleasure of having uh, Angela Lang from uh, Block, which is also uh, Black Leaders Organizing for Our Communities. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are a grassroots organization that is committed. Well, I'll let, you know what I'll do? I'll let Angela tell her story. But Angela, let's start with the question we ask everybody who sits in that chair. How does your side win 2020? (laughs) It's a good question. First of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to to always continue to talk about the dialogue and how we um, win, how we increase voter turnout and making sure people are engaged in a real way. Um, I think what's really important is that we're doing a year-round civic engagement um, effort. I think a lot of times people think of civic engagement as just voting and people only get their doors knocked on right before an election, never to be really seen or heard from again for another two to four years um, for the next election. And so what does it look like to make sure people are engaged in the political process year round, whether it's connecting with their alder person, um, it's engaging around the city budget process, which we're currently going through right now. Um, It's making sure that people understand how to plug into a political process in a way that um, people haven't really plugged in before and it's more than just voting it's more than just showing up on election day but there's other ways to be politically involved too we'll talk about you know there's something that i've you know i've seen uh your your organization does this it's gotten a lot of coverage it's your silent canvas yeah talk to us a little bit about that i mean (laughs) you know if we can shut up long enough to (laughs) to have you talk about the silent canvas please tell us about that yeah so the silent canvas is um it's interesting it wasn't something we set out to do it happened organically we ended up being um at a holiday party back in 2017 so a couple maybe like a month after we were up and running we were at a holiday party for a partner organization um, a lot of times people heard that we were knocking in 53206, the most incarcerated zip code, and a lot of people wanted to know what we were hearing. Um, and we had to have a conversation with the team saying, I'm glad people are really interested in what we're hearing, but we should be careful that people aren't just like taking these like anecdotes and putting them in their pockets without actually talking to black voters and not just you know using the work that we're doing without actually engaging people in a real way. So after we had a conversation with the staff, um, State Senator Chris Larson, we ran into him at this holiday party, and he was like, so what are you hearing? And one of my organizers at the time, she was like, well, if you want to know what I'm hearing, you should come shadow me. And he was like, yep, cool. Here's my card. Follow up my office. Let's do it. It'll be great. And then we thought we should probably extend this invitation to everyone. And it turned into this bigger program than we expected. I ended up um, texting Larson right afterwards and said, hey, like this is our first time doing this. What was your experience? What are your thoughts? And he said, I saw the best and worst of Milwaukee in a span of two hours. And that was then when we knew we were onto something. 
Um, we ended up doing another round of it for um, the gubernatorial primary. We had about, I think, maybe seven or eight candidates do it um, back in May, like well before the primary. And they're not introduced as a candidate. They're not introduced as a sitting elected official. If you are, um, you're literally just introduced by your first name. There's no campaigning. There's no buttons. Um, there's no staffers that are staffing you. Uh, we we take pictures and you're allowed to post the pictures only after we put them on our social media first so we can control the narrative. Um, but it's really a way for people to actually engage and really understand, you know, and what it means to live in Black Milwaukee, even for just a couple hours and understand that experience just a little bit more than maybe they wouldn't have had before doing that. So I want to dive sorry, a little, just, want, yeah, if I could dive a little bit deeper in that. Yeah. Right? What are you hearing at the doors? I think this is fascinating. Yeah. And I just want to, yeah, I think we, I you, mean, you guys are going right to the doors. Mm-hmm. You're talking directly to either past voters or potential voters in the future. Yep. And what are they telling you? We're hearing everything. So we always start every conversation, whether it's a more partisan conversation or it's a nonpartisan conversation. One question that we always weave through all of the, the door conversations is what does it look like for the black community to thrive? And people have not been asked that question. People, usually if you're knocking on someone's door, you're pushing an agenda, you're asking them to take some sort of action, maybe sign a petition or a pledge card. And so people were really caught off guard by by us asking this question. And so sometimes people were like, well, we have this broken streetlight that's out. I'm like, well, that's not exactly thriving, but let's work on fixing that. But let's talk about maybe our neighbor. It's not super aspirational, but it's important to them. And it's important to them. And also, like, people haven't always been in the position to, like, dream big or think about what thriving is. If you're just trying to survive day to day, you're trying to provide for your family. And so, you know, we we shift the conversation to, like, okay, let's get this streetlight fixed. But maybe let's talk about how you feel that your neighborhood is not being invested in and maybe some of the other neighborhoods are. And so we've heard a lot of, you know, speed bumps potholes. We heard a lot of stuff like that. We've also heard, um, you know, quality jobs. We've heard issues around mass incarceration. We've heard issues around healthcare. We've probably heard every issue that you can think of. Um, I've knocked on doors and people have talked about, you know, Russia and emails. <laughs> you know, it's whatever is important to them in that moment. And so we've heard a, a wide a range of things and issues. So for the people that are listening, are the questions you ask them policy or issue based or are there is there a partisan flavor to them? We do a little bit of both. So right now we're knocking nonpartisanly. Um, we really wanted to take this time to dig into like our organizing. Last year was our first full year. We had three elections. Everything was really busy. Everything was partisan that we did. But after the April election, we wanted to make sure that we were still engaging people. And so we're asking, you know, people that thrive question, but we're also connecting them to resources. We're asking them if they want to be more active in their neighborhood to improve their neighborhood where um, like having meetings together where residents get a chance to meet each other. In some cases, we're doing block parties. Someone is planning a Halloween party. You know, we do kind of that positive, um, you know, the positive events and stuff too. But we really just want to get to the core of like, what are the issues? What are some things that you feel this neighborhood needs? And then being able to connect those pieces. If someone is saying, um, we feel like our neighborhood is being over-policed, because, you know, it's, over, it's being patrolled all day and night. We're not even doing anything. We feel like we're being racially profiled. We're also able to say, hey, did you know the mayor is proposing that 47% of the city budget is going to the police department? So we're able to kind of connect those dots of real issues that people are facing and connecting them with ways to kind of interject themselves in a political system. Um, so right now it's all nonpartisan. Next year, I imagine the bulk of our work, probably 99% of our work will be more partisan. But right now we wanted to make sure that we were still engaging people and still doing some of that education so people understand the difference between a state senator and a U.S. senator.
where how city government works versus the county, where to go. Um, so doing some of that education right now, too. And you, I mean, this is, you know, the effort that you're putting in is getting a lot of attention. I mean, you were talking about the silent canvas and I was trying not to interrupt, but I wanted to jump in and say, <laughs> you've had some presidential candidates yes. join you, haven't, yes. during this time. Yeah, we've had um, three presidential candidates do it thus far, um, starting back in March. So um, we had Beto, it was like probably day four of his presidential campaign. He was here. Um, we He actually adjusted his schedule. Because I we, think his campaign ended on day five. But. <laughs> <laughs> Some people would say otherwise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he he um, he actually adjusted his schedule because we had an hour with him. So we were like, do we do a roundtable discussion with our team or do we get him out on doors? And we felt that we only we had to choose one of the things. And they said, you know what, we'll give you an hour and 45. So how about you still have this roundtable discussion? And he really, really wants to knock doors. Um, we also had Cory Booker and then we had um, Julian Castro as well all of them all knock doors uh, we've had you know another presidential candidate amy klobuchar come in she wasn't able to knock doors i know she wasn't feeling well that day um but she came in and, and had a discussion and we were able to kind of take some of the things that we've heard and still relay them to her even though she wasn't able to knock doors directly herself unless you feel like you know if you feel like telling stories <laughs> and naming names maybe talk a little bit about what their reaction was yeah um it's always really interesting because we try to do a debrief at the end and see where people are at um there was like candidates that were running for governor even that would like come back to the office like crying because they were so moved um and so we didn't know how presidential candidates would feel also because as you're running the higher up you're running you don't get a chance to just knock on doors it's not a part of your campaign at that point um and so beto he actually um he was really into it he sometimes he's like kind of hard to read i feel um but someone actually ran into him that i know a couple days later and was like oh you were hanging out with block the other day and he was like yeah i went on doors and it was great and so it was still fresh in his mind i think um the what the person said it was like he said that he um thought the experience was transformative which i thought was interesting um castro is a very like he's a good listener i think i think he he loved the opportunity to be able to just like talk and to listen um it's my understanding because i'm not the one that that goes out on doors with them. It's my understanding he probably did the best of being able to listen. Um, as you can imagine, it's hard for presidential candidates to just not talk and not campaign for an hour or two. Um, and then Booker, um, he w we weren't able to do a debrief with him, but he mentioned it at the event that um, he ended up hosting around gun violence that we ended up going to. And he was talking about how his experience was uh, very moving and eye-opening for him. So... Scott's famous for saying you got to turn them on to turn them out. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about turnout. In mm -hmm. the lead up to this, I did my research on you and on Block, and I know you're a little sensitive about the 2016 turnout numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, Milwaukee County yeah. turnout was down 53,000 voters from 2012 yep. on the Democratic side. Yeah. It's 11%. They were down 250,000 statewide. So I, yeah. I don't think that is the reason Hillary Clinton lost, but... What is your sense of why people stayed home in 2016? Mm -hmm. And do you think you're in the, you know, getting to the point where you're turning people on to, to turn out in yeah. 2020? I like to think that we're turning people on to turn out. Um, I think one of the big things that, that we could talk about is that people just didn't really feel motivated. If your issues aren't being talked to, if the candidates aren't... Um, 
uplifting the real issues that you're dealing with on a daily basis, if the candidates aren't even engaging you in a real way. And I think there was a lot of times that people took um, for granted the black vote and people just assume, oh, they, they're Obama voters. They must automatically be Democrats. And, you know, we're going to go focus our, our energy on millennials or moms or ex demographic. And so I think not Gen X, <laughs> not Gen Xers. Um, and so I think just being able to like not have a lot to feel that you're being motivated by and people just assuming that we were going to vote and not having a real engagement plan in communities of color, I think is one of the big things. And so when people only knock on doors, maybe a month before an election, there should still be some persuasion. But if that's your first touch, people already assume that you're, you're voting and you're having a GOTV script and um, they just assuming like, Oh yeah, I'm just here to remind you that there is an election on Tuesday. There was no real engagement. There's no real dialogue. And so that's something that we're trying to do is that we're able to address local issues, whether it be that broken streetlight. But we're able to kind of plug people into a broader political process. So people feel that being civically engaged is more of a culture norm. And that if they're, you know, being, being engaged around the city budget, then hopefully they're going to be more and more engaged and paying more and more attention to every election that follows. Well, you now, now you feel 2018 in terms of what your work was successful, correct? I mean, I like to think so. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, the Supreme Court was, yeah. you know, that was the first uh, progressive to win an open seat in forever, you know, in 20 yeah. years, I think. That yeah. was our first um, election. Yeah, right. As, and then, as black. Yeah. And then in um, in 2018, and I this may or may not be correct. I mean, you would know better than I. But CNN had exit polling that said that black voters were 9% of the total electorate in the 2018 election, mm-hmm. while only being 6% of Wisconsin's voting age population. That's both, mm-hmm. those are for Wisconsin stats. Yeah. So obviously, if that, you know, black people were turning out. Mm-hmm. We go to 2019, a little challenge, mm-hmm. right? Which I, you know. Yep. Can't win them all. How do you, how do you, how do you make sure that folks are motivated for 2020 in the way that you want them to be motivated and what are the what do you what do you think are the three or four big issues that candidates need to be talking about yeah i think um for people to feel motivated i I want people to stand in their own power and understand um that elected officials whether you're president or mayor you work for us like you need us more than we need you so even going back to the silent canvas we've evolved how we've done the silent canvas at first we were like we would send out invitations say hey we're doing a silent canvas this week sign up for a shift um now we are not like soliciting people know that this is just a thing you need to do if you want to talk to black voters in Milwaukee um, it's kind of become you know part of the, the the checkoff list you go to G's Clippers you go to Coffee Makes You Black you go to the barbershops you go to the churches um, you have Miss Katie's Diner right like there's like all these different things that people go to and I think being able to engage with us is, is a real um, it's another thing on the, on the checklist now and I want people to understand that um we, we can like our candidates, we can hold them accountable, but that doesn't mean we need to make them like pseudo celebrities. And I want people to stand in their power in that. And I think people are starting to realize the the power in their vote, the power in their voice, um, whether some people can vote or not. There are some folks on my staff who um, are going through the criminal justice system and can't necessarily vote on election day, but that doesn't mean their issues are any less important and that they should still be engaged in a real way as well. And so I think 
think it comes down to just engagement on a regular basis. I think some big issues that I, I keep hearing on a regular basis outside of the, the very local issues are mass incarceration. We do a lot of work in the 53206 zip code. A lot of people have been impacted and touched. Um, our staff has been impacted and touched by the criminal justice system. Healthcare. Um, is an issue that keeps coming up on a regular basis. I was surprised to hear that in 2018. Um, in jobs, I think people always want to make sure that they are being able to provide for their family. And I think, you know, those three issues aren't necessarily partisan at all. People want to feel safe. People want to feel that they can live with dignity and respect and have quality health care if they need it. Um, and people want to provide for their families. And so those are things that we keep hearing, not necessarily uh, in like a partisan way, but people just, you know, that's what people value. And I think those are the things that presidential candidates need to talk about in a real way, um, in an intersectional way as well. If we're talking about mass incarceration, let's talk about um, the ICE raids and what's going on at the border. But let's also let's talk about how black men are also being locked up in a disproportionate rate as well and being able to talk about it in a broad sense. Um, if we're talking about healthcare, let's talk about how, you know, Ascension, who, um, oversees the save the St. Joe's um, hospital in Milwaukee, pretty much the only black hospital left was trying to cut services and gut it from essentially being a hospital and how that disproportionately affected our community. And so I want us to be able to talk about the issues in a real way, but also making sure that people are being centered um, and, and people's identities are also being centered in that too. Cause there's, there's discrepancies. We know healthcare is not the same for everybody. Um, we know mass incarceration doesn't impact everybody the same way either too. Could a Republican do well in the 53206? And if so, what would it take? I think that's an interesting question. I think um, anybody, I think, could do well if people just show up. If people are intentional and are authentic and engage in a meaningful way, I think that's the key to a lot of things. Um, I was on a panel for the um, the Cap Times Idea Fest, and um, there was a Republican next to me, and I'd probably never had a Republican agree with me so many times on that panel because we we knew it comes down to engagement. It's coming down to being authentic. It's coming down to um, talking to people early, and it's talking to people often, and it's just going to be a mat. It's going to be all about turnout, and it's going to be a matter of who has the better ground game in 2020. I was going to um, add here or ask, first add, are you saying you can get Donald Trump to go do the silent canvas? Well, I mean, you're focused on a variety of elections, <laughs> but, primarily but the I presidential. Do want to, yeah. I don't think Donald Trump is going to do a silent election, but I do want to come mm -hmm. back to him yeah. because he, he trumpets yeah. black unemployment being yeah. the lowest in 50 years yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and the number of jobs being created in the communities. And he, mm -hmm. he says and tweets that He's done more for the black community than Barack Obama did. Mm -hmm. Would the people that you're meeting with agree with that? or And if they don't, why not? I think, honestly, some would. I think there be there's times where people feel that um, people don't even want to vote sometimes. People feel very apathetic. I, I knocked on a door um, on Election Day last August, and I was like, hey, there's like five hours left to vote. What's your vote plan? And he was like, I'm not voting. And I was like, okay, why not? Let's have this conversation. And he's just like, my vote doesn't do anything. Like I voted for Barack Obama and look what that got us. That got us literally nothing. And so I think sometimes um, it comes down to less partisanship, but who is the candidate who after I vote for them, I feel like is going to do the best for me and my family? And is is my life going to change? There needs to be some sort of like self-interest That's the there. motivator, not the partisan label. Yep. I think, it's, I think a lot of it is, is self-interest in who is... Um, 
the most compelling. And I think people also really value authenticity. If someone is, is coming in in October talking to you for the first time, and it seems like that conversation is very transactional and they don't feel really invested, then we see through that, you know, it, it made our job very hard when we first started because we were knocking on doors that had been neglected and people didn't trust us. They yeah. were like, oh, you're not going to come back. Like, you're having this conversation with me now. I don't actually trust you. So we had to build up that trust because people can see through the BS and people want a, a candidate that is authentically um, relating to them and people feel that they um, can relate to in a real way that people actually care about their issues. People just want to be heard at the end of the day. Can I do the final question yeah. about what we were talking about? How do you think impeachment will play in the community? <laughs> I think it's going to I think it's going to cause a lot of buzz. I think there's going to be a lot of chatter around it. I think we're living in very interesting is what I'll say times. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a motivator. Um, for a turnout, if it's going to motivate people at all. I think people are going to watch it and see if there's anything that, that comes out of it, if there's something that they need to note. Um, I'm really curious myself of how it's going to play out. Um, you know, there's people that have mixed feelings about impeachment because if we impeach one, then you have the vice president and people don't like him as well. So I think it's, it's complicated. I don't know how it's going to really play, but I know people are going to pay attention to it. And I'm very, I'm quite certain it's, it's going to come up on doors a lot, even though we may be talking about something local, you know, people talk about what they're hearing and what resonates with them. I can, I can imagine it's going to come up a lot on doors and we're going to need to figure out how to, how to engage around that issue too. And I think there's a lot to be seen, um, you know, the 24-hour news cycle. I feel like there's always a new detail that's coming out at three in the morning. There's Twitter. There's so much happening. And so um, who knows what we'll know next week? Who knows what more dialogue and things will be uncovered? And I think people are going to be paying attention to it. And um, yeah, I'm really curious to see if it affects turnout at all. Okay. So I think you've started a dialogue that needs to happen in all the urban areas in the country. Mm -hmm. And this is really important. Mm -hmm. Ask people what, in their place of being, you know, What's important to them? That's, right. Any, any politician should do that. They really, they really, really. Theoretically, do. I feel like that should be their job. <laughs> I'm gonna not let Scott have the last question. So race <laughs> is a big. Uh, Donald Trump gets called a racist by most of his opponents yeah. at some point or another. Yeah. Do you pick that up in the people you're meeting with? Do they feel like he's a racist? And if so, is that a motivator for them to vote against him? Or aren't you really f sensing that? I, I do hear a lot of feedback um, that it's that he's racist, his policies are racist. Um, I think the, the big thing, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, I think, I don't know if it's a motivating factor because I don't know if people directly feel it. I think it's more blatant. People see it in like the immigrant communities or in the trans communities, like based off of the the more high profile, um, I guess, controversies that are come out of the White House. Um, and yeah, there are some people that don't think that he's racist. There's someone who's like, I don't think Donald Trump's racist. He just says what's on his mind. Like we've heard that, that um, those types of comments. And so I, I think for some people, it can be a very, very, very strong motivator. Um, and I think sometimes people just want to know at the end of the day, are his policies impacting him or impacting like the, the resident in a real way? And if they're impacting them, 
are they impacting them in a good way or in a bad way? I think a lot of it comes down to, I'm just trying to feed my kids. I'm trying to keep a roof over my head. I'm trying to survive um, on a daily basis. So I, I've definitely heard a mix. There are times, you know, we, we our script doesn't say, hey, Donald Trump is racist. You know, what do you think about that? There are times people unprompted are just like, yeah, yeah we have to get rid of that man in the White House. He's racist or he's just awful. Um, and so I've heard a mix of all of that. So let me thank you for coming on yeah, Win thank you. 2020 with Passion yeah. and Ross. I want to tell you, I hope you'll come back after we have two candidates yeah. uh, next August or September because I'd love to find out what you've learned over the last 12 yeah. months. And, yeah. you know, maybe we can help educate the final two candidates on h- how to best do something to impact the inner cities. Yeah, absolutely. Country. I would love to be on whenever. Well, thank you very much. Thank and again, you. for everybody, we'll keep coming at you. Uh, you can check us out at win2020wi.com. Feel free to send us or tweet at us any guests you'd like us to try and land. We'll do our best to do that. And uh, until next time, we'll talk to you then. 